Hello everybody and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, a game master who cannot stop talking about role-playing games. In today's episode of Roleplay Chat, I'm joined by Tom from the Modern Myth YouTube channel, and we talk about a very interesting strategy that Tom has developed with his table to help develop characters, help develop backstory, and kind of give players a chance to live in the skin of their character before session zero, before a campaign even begins. Before we do that though, before we dive into that conversation, I did want to remind folks that you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at roll underscore play underscore chat. And if for whatever reason Twitter combusts overnight, you can follow me on other social media platforms. I've created a Mastodon account where you can find me at roll underscore play underscore chat at dice.camp. Or you can follow me on Hive Social where I am roleplay chat, all one word. I'd also like to take this time to remind folks to review the podcast if they haven't already. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever other podcasting platform you're using to listen goes a really long way in helping the podcast be discovered by new listeners. Another way you can help me out is if you share the podcast with your friends, with the people that you play role-playing games with. If you think they would enjoy these philosophical ramblings, then please share the episodes that you like best with them. It goes a long way, and I would thank you infinitely. Alright, enough of that. Let's dive into the conversation with Tom about these pre-session zero games, or like he likes to call it, these negative session games. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Today, I am excited, beyond excited, to talk to you and to talk to Tom. Tom is the resident game master for the Modern Modern Myth YouTube channel. He runs the Rackish Rovers actual play pod. Actual play? Is it a podcast, Tom? You correct me. Is it a? It isn't. Uh, pure, purely video. Purely. On purely YouTube. video. He also hosts split screen D and D. This one's a podcast. It's a discussion yes. podcast. And if you like roleplay chat, odds are you will like split screen D&D. He also hosts the DM Double Take, an interview style discussion, also quite similar to roleplay chat, where he's most recently talked to B. Dave Walters, the one and only. Tom, Wonderful. yeah, why don't you say hello to the listeners? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. I have been looking forward to... Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation all week and I hugely appreciate you having me on to, uh, to, uh, chat about it. Do I need to say anything about myself? You, I mean, you kind of, you kind of just nailed it for me. So I don't <laughs> well, even know. Did I, did I miss anything? I fumbled over a few of them. So no, 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 it's, uh, no, that's, I mean, that pretty much sums up. We did just launch our new segment on the channel, uh, which is called myth makers, mm. uh, which is, uh, our, yeah. basically our opportunity to, um, a passion project for me in trying to highlight independent TTRPG project uh, projects, specifically publications. Uh, so that's supplements, uh, whether they be fifth edition, OSR, totally non D and D ecosystem. And, cool. uh, and, uh, that's going to be a, a new ongoing episode. One is out now. Um, and, uh, I've already been in the works where we're, we're scaffolding out episode three by way of the different, uh, publications. So I'm really excited to be able to hopefully, as our channel grows, bring some more, uh, bring some more eyeballs to some of those small indie products uh, that you know don't get the love that they deserve in many cases. 
Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's some really fantastic content creators out there, yourself included, Tom. So oh, let's thank, uh, you, thank you. I'm in good let's... company. I'm in good company, <laughs> sir. Well, thank you, thank you. So yeah, the, the, I'll ask you the first question that I like to ask all of the guests on the show before okay. we get into today's topic, and that's to talk to us a little bit about yourself as a game master and player. So why don't you tell us Tom's geek origin story, your first foray into role playing games? And maybe some of the systems that you prefer to run. Uh, yeah. Um, so I would say my my entry point into the hobby, um, even though my dad was not uh, a Dungeons and Dragons guy, he was a big time um, uh, a big time computer RPG guy. And so one of one of the real early ones was the original Waldark Skate franchise. Um, it was right around the same time that some buddies had introduced me to uh, Advanced D&D, Second Edition. Um, and that was kind of my entry point into the D&D &D ecosystem. Uh, that was the case for pretty much through high school. And around then, I took a bit of a hiatus, returned to the hobby just as Fourth Edition had released. And uh, I was one of the brave few uh, who uh, I, I ran a 1 to 20 in Fourth Edition. and wow. impressive. Uh, and I, um, and that's actually, uh, I ran that with the same play group that we're, we, we typically are running fifth edition now. You know, it's funny you say that because I also started game mastering with fourth edition. I played a little bit of 3.5, but fourth edition was my uh, first foray into the hobby as well. And despite all of the negative criticism people have for it, I always kind of liked it. I always thought it was kind of interesting, but anyway, yeah, let's dive into today's conversation at hand here. You call them negative sessions, negative in the fact <laughs> that they are, you know, sessions minus one, minus two, minus three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Relative kinda, to the session zero, uh, you know, negative, yeah, negative yeah. relative to zero. Negative relative to zero. And so that's kind of today's topic at hand is to talk about these pre-zero, pre-session zero games or sessions or things that we do before we have a session zero with our party. So Tom, and, and, and credit where credit is due, Tom, you were the inspiration for this by bringing this up uh, in our conversation post your YouTube video. Um, oh, so right, this is right. also the opportunity for us to plug the conversation that Tom and I had on his YouTube channel. So if you right. guys haven't checked that out yet, I, I hope you go and listen to it. It was a really fun conversation. It was, um, yeah. A lot of cool insights from Matt about... Uh, world building and uh and and specifically the the ways in which we can build worlds that encourage players to to kind of get in those skins and and a lot of that i'll say that that um ethos that is going to you'll i think you'll find is going to map into some of what we have to say today i think i think our conversations interestingly enough uh <laughs> shake hands pretty well so perfect so you guys should listen to them Kind of in tandem, you know, if you've already listened to the YouTube video, go listen to it again, like it, subscribe to Modern Myth, and then come and listen to this, you know, pause, Appreciate pause the Appreciate podcast, you. and then come right back. No, finish the podcast, finish the podcast, <laughs> then jump over and, uh, and do everything that he said. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, so pre-session zero, I think it's pretty clear what we mean by that, but at the same time, uh, I've, I've been stumped by clearer topics to define. So okay. let's do the thing that we always do on Roleplay Chat first and define our terms. Tom, okay. when we say negative sessions or pre-zero sessions, what are we talking about? Well, I think 
kind of contrary to a lot of times, I think when people are using session zero, session zero for a lot of people, as it's discussed broadly, isn't so much a session. It's an opportunity to all get together, have that meeting of the minds, ha hash out exactly what we're going to be doing for the next weeks, months, mm -hmm. years. Um, and at least what I mean by negative sessions, uh, really, uh, if you think about that zero as this as this nucleation point, uh, and I think it, that a lot of importance in in the session zero space, but um, session the negative sessions are sessions that uh, are specifically designed to lubricate the process for your players. As far as I'm concerned, as a DM. This is a concept, anyways, that is is designed to lubricate the process for your players to better step into the skin of these characters come session zero, session one. Um, and uh, as we'll we'll I'm sure we'll discuss, there's a lot of DM side, world building side benefits, but these negative sessions are effectively that. Uh, I mean, to 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 give you a sense of why this topic has become so near and dear to my heart is the current campaign that we're running the rakish rovers is um we conceptualized running this campaign when i was still back in uh i was living in washington state at the time and we knew that we wanted to run run the session uh, or i'm sorry run the campaign and but we had you know we were the the pieces were in motion for us to move back to colorado which is where my main player group is um and so i had just I said, hey, you know, we kind of usually run these little backstory sessions, these these session negative sessions or pre-zero sessions. What do you guys think about starting that remotely um, and go from there? As as it turned out, it took us six months to get all the pieces in place <laughs> to get back. Uh, so whereas there was no intent in that, we ended up running these pre-sessions. We probably ran 15 or 20. So we started at negative 20 and wow. ran about 20 sessions leading up to the start of the campaign. Um, and I learned a ton in that span of time that I, I feel really lucky to have kind of had my hand forced because if we had come back in a month, we probably would have ran a couple like we usually do and then get right after it. Um, but I found a lot more utility than I expected to find in having that time in those pre-sessions. So I hope that helps to kind of define it and and to kind of encapsulate it in, in why I'm going to be talking about the importance uh, as far as I'm concerned in, in those uh, pre sessions or negative sessions cool yeah i you know i didn't realize you did so many 20 is a lot that's that's like a whole adventure it, within it its is. own right i would it's say a, it's a uh, tremendous amount and and i never like i said i i never would have and nor am i suggesting that anything i'm going to say here moving forward is a prescription of hmm. you should run 20 pre-sessions uh, but most of the reason we ran them is we were having a hell of a time we were we yeah. were loving it we were having a really good time doing it and uh and I think what came out of the other end of that when we hit session one um, really told the story to me as a DM about what we had gained during that time. And and um, ever since then, we've touched on it on our channel a number of times. Uh, I have been, uh, probably to put it politely, I've been evangelical about these pre-session, these, these pre-zero sessions, so. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And I mean, I'm, I'll add my two cents, but I, yeah. I think you did a fantastic job summarizing uh, what we're going to be talking about today. I, I think uh, maybe I'll draw a little bit of a line in the sand here 
Yep. And and Tom, correct me if I'm misinterpreting, but to me, I think these pre-session zeros or these negative sessions, they serve as this place to get into character, learn the lore of the world, learn who the characters are. But some of the more administrative things that we consider to be part of session zero, I think still live in session zero. So 100%. things where we talk about tone, uh, things where we talk about safety tools, things where we talk about scheduling. To me, those continue to live in session zero and are not really going to be part of today's conversation, unless unless you feel like they might be. Well, I think I think uh, I, I think I agree by and large, and also because I think the session zero conversation has been had. Uh, it's had every day on social media. Uh, people trade their barbs about uh, you know what exactly exists in that space. But uh, but I will say that almost everything I think you outlined, you start to be informed of during this process. But but it, you're you're as with everything about these these pre sessions, you're informed of it in a very non administrative way. Even mm -hmm. even some of those administrative things. So I yes, I completely agree. I think most of that can be cached to session zero. Um, but I think anyone listening will find places where where this topic will rub elbows uh, with with the session zero space. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, and one other thing that I think I wanted to clarify for myself included, yep. um, these pre-sessions, are we talking one-on-one -on -one, you and a player, or are we talking everybody gets on a discord channel and chit chats about their characters? Like what's the, what's the, uh, so, uh, for, for us, and again, I'm, 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 I'm not, uh, attempting to prescribe a right way of doing it, but for us, uh, by nature of the, uh, the characters and the configuration of those characters in the world, uh, those were all one-on-ones. Um, mm -hmm. But I could absolutely see a circumstance in which two characters meet each other during these pre-sessions long before meeting the remainder of the part. The reason that we started doing this is uh, with this playgroup, that very first uh, campaign that we ran in fourth edition, we finished the campaign. We had a ton of fun. It was, it was, uh, beer and pizza D and D we were slaying a lot of monsters and, and again, nice. nothing, nothing wrong with that, 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 uh, we had a ton of fun doing it. Um, but my biggest feedback and whenever we're wrap up a session or a story arc or a campaign, um, we're talking about it. We're always talking about D and D. Um, but as a DM, I think it's incumbent, uh, on us, especially if we're going to be running future campaigns to find out like what did we like what did we not like what you know get get a get a finger on the pulse of what that mm -hmm. experience was for the players and um we we had some discussions and what i communicated to them was that my only real complaint was a certain amount uh the there was by the end of the campaign and i would say for the majority of the campaign there was a fair bit of what i would call party think party action uh as opposed to uh individual player think player action um it felt more like a homogenous group rather than a group of individuals who were moving towards the same task and and pretty rapidly as we started conceptualizing the following campaign i said to them hey i think i want to try something as a as a means of solving this and that something was how do you guys feel about running through your backstories individually as an example uh, for, uh, Josh, Errol and Amanda, they get, each gave me the write-ups each dramatically different. One of them was one sentence. One of them was six pages. And one of them was about a page, just a hair, hair over a page. 
and then we'll just kind of sit down and talk individually. We'll just, I'll, I'll pick their brains on, Hey, you said this, what was your character thinking? Like, why, why did they do, what were they, what were they thinking? What were they feeling? And sometimes they know the answer right offhand. And sometimes they go, you know, let me think about that and get back to you. And, and, and is this, this, sorry to interrupt you, Tom, is, yeah, is yeah. this part of your session, your, your pre-session zero game? Cause that's I, kind of was my first question was what, what does this look like for you? You sit down on a discord call with your player and, and, and in, you ask these kinds of questions or is, yeah, is there actual the, role play going on? Like how, how does that, how so does that be, look? I guess before we sit down with any of the role play, it kind of exists as character development as a conversation. Um, I am, I am extroverted to a fault, so I can never run out of conversation. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was generally for them. They would provide me something and, and I'd read through it and I would just ask them questions about it. And generally that resulted in them having to mentally elaborate on aspects of their character. And after a few of those conversations, we kind of get into really the heart of what we're talking about. These, uh, these negative sessions, these pre zero sessions, um, which, which are identical to what I would be doing as of session one. There's a huge amount of opportunities and there's a huge amount of things, benefits to be gained both on the player side, I think, and on the DM side. The first one that I kind of already alluded to is the individualization of these characters is they have time to make decisions beholden to no one. They have a mm -hmm. time to understand how their character behaves when there is no party relying on them, when they're not going to catch flack for making a decision. When they And so when you hit session one, they know exactly who they are, sometimes to a fault. Sometimes I, I will I will openly admit that the the potential for intraparty conflict goes goes up dramatically, I would say, utilizing this technique because people are showing up knowing knowing how they feel about the world, knowing how they feel about the conflicts in it, and and wanting to take a stand. And mm -hmm. and that was really something that's that's what I was wanting to get out of this process with our group. Optics of it are effectively we would sit down. Um uh, an example being uh Josh's character Kel, who plays the paladin in Rakish Rovers. His opening, the very first session that we ever ran, is uh he lives in a small logging uh town, which uh I'll, I'll point out huge opportunity here for DMs to hand the paintbrush to your players and go build the world for me. I, I'm sitting here as a DM. I'm just going to watch you. Like you, you wake up. Okay. You wake up in your, in your home. What does that look like? You step outside. What does that look like? I, you know, none of this is, is I don't need to be in control of this. And there's nothing that begins to attach a character to the world. Like having created a space that they think of mm -hmm. as home. Absolutely. And, I, I and, agree. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I know. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you, you and, and the reason I kind of interjected there, Tom, is because you said a few things that are, I yep. find super, super fascinating, and I want to kind of maybe take the opportunity to dissect them a little bit. So the, the the first thing you mentioned was this opportunity for the players to explore who their character is without outside influence, and to that, I will applaud and and echo. I think that it is a fantastic thing to give your players the opportunity to do because it then we'll make for their role play when they're sitting at the table with their friends to be so much better, so much just, they had the experience of knowing who their character is. Like you're saying, so they can lean into that emotion because they can feel comfortable and confident that that's how their character would react or, or 
emotionally feel about a certain situation. But the challenge that I'll, I'll pose to you is that if your players are exploring these things individually, and and I mean, I'm going a bit off on a ta- not a tangent. I'm, I'm I'm making some assumptions here, so yeah. feel free to correct me. But you know, the, what I'm picturing is this scenario where maybe somebody creates this really elaborate backstory. You you walk them through it. You play several games one on one where they flesh that stuff out, and then I feel like it's this lost opportunity for that player to have that be presented to the other players sitting at the table, not the characters. Like I, I think that there's definitely like this meta game going on, but I know some people that I play with myself included when I'm a player, I like to live through that. I like to feel that empathy towards another character because we have this flashback where they're with their mom who's dying on the death on the, on a bed and, and she tells them something and that's like a foundational piece to who that character is. Me me experiencing that as Matt sitting at a table, I, I get to be I get to be a fan of somebody else's character when I get to experience that. Yeah, so 100%. Do, do you feel that doing this kind of in isolation from the other characters and the other players does it prevent it from coming up again a second time? No, I I I mean I I I I think it could. Um, I know that because those moments, those experiences that we actually played through, instead of them being ink on a page that they handed me and I read, Mm -hmm. since we both were there, we both felt the emotional weight or lack thereof. I mean, sometimes a moment occurs, and I'm sure you can relate it as a DM, where you're sure is just going to be a monster, and it just doesn't have the weight you expect it to. And other times, the the inverse. when because the two of us or three of us or i mean how, however many people are in the yeah, scene yeah, yeah. but in in our case one-on-one because we're both present for that um you know i think going into the actual campaign session one and on uh i have a really really good sense of what in fact was meaningful of all the words they put on that page since we lived through all of them in a series mm. of and, and i will say you know we we don't necessarily live through every moment in their backstory. I kind of try to go through and go, here's the really important things that I want to, I want to know how your character said that in that moment when she, when she cut ties with her family entirely and, and went off to adventure. What did that look like? How, how, Mm -hmm. you know, was that an emotional scene Were they, were they already distant and estranged? But, but because we were both present in that moment, being able to, to bring that back into the campaign, I think both of us, I mean, there's, there, I'll say two of my favorite moments, even to date, and we're at level 12 now, uh, are, are still, still exist in the backstory Two of, I mean, I have many favorite moments, but, um, there are some moments that existed in the backstory that were unbelievably touching and they have, they have, uh, they've carried all of that weight at, at the, they are a tool in my bag. Um, I, I'm trying to think how I can, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a real brief, a, a character in, uh, Aster, who is, uh, Ariel Winans character in our campaign. She's a 13 year old wizard or was when the campaign started. Um, she met a, uh, a, a trapper and a hunter, um, and she was totally lost in the world. She had grown up, uh, in this hermit's house, knew nothing about the world and had this, this over three or four months traveling together, this I, I, I 
completely didn't expect the depth of their relationship to develop the way that it did. But these two mm -hmm. characters, uh, and uh, that character has uh, since passed, um, and and really did her a solid by um, they they both found themselves in some in some serious dirt, effectively coming crosswise with uh, the local law enforcement. Um, and it turned into a skirmish and he eff effectively said, you know, they had two people tied up. They both knew their faces. They both knew their names. And he effectively said, like, I can't let you be a part of what's about to happen. Hmm. Take, take one of the horses and, and go. And that's actually the last time. Well, that's the last time she saw him via the backstory. Uh, brand is his name has been a massive uh recurrence he's passed away um, i mean she's had dream sequences in which she's interacted with i mean she is so tethered to this character um and and i mean there are times where i will be i will rehash him in portions of our campaign where i have to i have to fight to i have to fight to keep a straight face together because i i was present for for how meaningful that relationship was and i think that's one of the real advantages is the nuance of interaction, uh, sim I mean, I, I am convinced words on a page can't even come close to what that, what that experience is if you allow it to unfold at the table between, uh, between two characters. Now, I agree that you, you, I agree wholeheartedly with your, your position of being a player and being privy to experiences that aren't your own, but being able to share in that. I, I love that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's a a hard and fast it's a hard and fast forsaking of player and character knowledge that I I love. You know, there are aspects of player and character knowledge I want to keep sacred, but allowing players to be at the table for important moments. Um, but no, if, uh, kind of to your point, I actually have found that um, that any of those moments that have kind of played out uh, in their backstories have only become more meaningful and therefore more potent tools to 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 bring back into the story if if they're viable yeah. to. I mean, you don't always have the option of doing that. Yeah. I I I mean, I can agree with that quite quite seriously. I I think opportunity to flesh things out, opportunity to see the impacts before you pitch them to the table, I think is is definitely a, a big strength of this approach. I, I'm also a big proponent of just because it's written in your backstory doesn't mean it's real. I mean, that's, that sounds terrible, but I, I, I often tell this to my players is that I want you to bring things forward at the table. If you know, I, I I'm I all that. for people writing things down, having their backstory, but it doesn't really exist in the game. If it only exists on your on your backstory page yes you, you know what i mean like yes 100 needs to be a way for you to bring that forward into the game and i think yeah. that having these negative sessions these pre-zero sessions is kind of like this really nice middle ground where your characters your players are living these experiences for themselves with you as the game master and then it creates this opportunity for them to kind of sit in their emotions and react in game right in yes. in, in, the, in, yep. in the in the positive sessions if we yeah. call them that and maybe for the attentive player at the table who is not that person to react to it and be like oh my god you're so upset 
what's what's got you so upset? You shouldn't be that upset. And it creates these these uh, one-on-one player character to player character experiences where they kind of like spill the beans and say, yeah, this guy was super important because A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And without the quote-unquote training wheels of the negative sessions, maybe they wouldn't have. Am I, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah, no, I, I think 100%. And I think uh, to, to exactly what you're saying is, I think it, it kind of puts the, the impetus of what, what often gets lumped into the insight check mm-hmm. into simply being an aware and active member of the table. Um, using that same example, when they first reconnected with brand, he was, a, a one of the sur- survivors of effectively a failed civil war. Um, he was part of kind of the rebellion. And when they very first met him, he, he originally met her having helped her not be eaten by a pack of wolves, the classic, uh, classic pack of wolves, level one, or actually yeah. level zero in this case, um, trope, but, uh, and ever since then, he's referred to her as Wolf Girl. He's just, he's never called her by name. And there was a moment where they're in this big group of people. They had taken shelter in a mine and they're, the, the party's having this interaction. And there was a little lull. And I just leaned in and I said, Wolf Girl? And, and she instantly knew. And like, and, and it was a deal where like, she she's tearing up and i i know i've got to deliver more than just him saying wolf girl but immediately i couldn't believe how much i was brought back to their last reunion which was which was kind of that hairy moment with uh mm-hmm. with some of the guard and 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 uh and actually tom I, I i hate to interrupt you but you're yeah. you're bringing me to another question that i had for you and maybe yeah, maybe yeah. there's a little bit more context you can add here absolutely uh, b- before we continue so i i really like this so these sessions before you you flesh out the backstory. One of the questions I had for you was then how do you how do you bring it together? Right? Like you're you have these games, they're basically games, one-on-one yeah. with your players. You're you're preparing yep. them, you're you're setting the expectations of who these characters are emotionally, personality-wise, etc. How do you transition into the actual game? Like right. And uh so when I, when we all started kind of conceptualizing the campaign, I guess you could say that's the players conceptualizing their characters and me beginning to conceptualize, you know, some of the scaffolding of the world. And, and I, I will say I, I, none of this is to suggest that as a DM, you can simply go, well, I don't need to scaffold any world out. Cause we're going to just, we're going to backstory our way. Through. I mean, you know, there's, there's still pre-session stuff as a DM. Mm-hmm. Um, that this campaign happens to be taking place in a almost unrecognizable forgotten realms it's been that heavily homebrewed <laughs> um but uh, but so it's kind of loosely f- uh scaffolded up the, the players all uh were no strangers to forgotten realms so they all know the, the map of Faerun and um but what i told them is they kind of started conceptualizing their their players and i basically told them the campaign is going to be starting in the east uh, in a city called orstitch uh, it is in the wake. It's several years after a brutal civil war kind of tore the East apart. And uh, as you're conceptualizing this backstory, be thinking about how your character has come to be in Orstitch. That was that was the prompt I gave them. As you were explaining this, it made me wonder, from your perspective, I mean, I, I think the benefits from the player's perspective, at least 
so far have been pretty clear to me. It, and I'll, maybe I'll list them off and you can, you can tell me if there's others. Yeah. But I, I'd like to get to the benefits that the, that it provides to the game master too. Um, yeah. So from a player's perspective, it sounds to me like it helps the players roleplay their character better. It helps them feel more comfortable in the skin of their character. It helps them feel uh, the identity of their character and prov- provides them with like this opportunity to challenge the party when they feel like it goes against something that their character stands for. Absolutely. But from the game master's perspective, I think there are other benefits, and you just talked about one. It gives you the opportunity to experience the NPCs in a different way yes. and give them more you know, more flavor and more, more volume in certain areas. Are there other effects that this has had on your ability to game master the game into the actual adventure? Like what are some of the things that you as a game master say, Oh, wow. Thank God we did that in session minus five. because (laughs) Now I can do this other thing. And what would that other thing be? Well, I would, I would start by saying one of the big benefits. And, and I think that, there are going to be DMs who uh, vehemently disagree with this position. It depends on how you prefer to world build. Um, but this process really allows you to do a lot of your world building. Like, I mean, a lot of the locations being that it's the Forgotten Realms are there. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, the, the, the hometown that Kel came from was totally an artifact of our, our, you know, his backstory and our interactions. But, but, it, but in a homebrew space... You know, exactly. if you're running your own setting or you're running a game that has very, like even a system that has a very open-ended mm-hmm. kind of interpretation of what the world you're playing in is, yeah, definitely yeah, this, and, this opportunity to, to grow it. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I touched on this briefly, but, you know, so much of so much of what they're gaining about stepping into the shoes, the skin, the clothes of their character um, I think the same can be said uh, for DMs of location. Um, I've I've lived through the the underbelly of Athkutla. Uh, you know, I've seen through Katarina's eyes and through the NPCs that I ran in in the big city. Now, now the campaign started way east, three months travel east of of the Sword Coast, and they're just getting ready to head back. But but my I am so much better prepared to go back there. Because I've seen the, the 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 highs and the lows, the horrors that that are exacted upon uh, those who live in the slums there. I've seen some of the big players. I've worn many of the big players in that space already, just by nature of her proximity to them. And mm-hmm. something uh, in the spirit of people pinging to our conversation we had on DM and the PM. This is what I loved so much about your description of finding a nucleation point and letting it bleed out from there is the character is the nucleation point for the world building at this point. Mm-hmm. And as they begin moving through the world in their backstory, I've I've got to make a world that they're that they're moving to. Now, some of this is has been done for me, but let's let's pretend that I'm running a totally homebrewed environment. Yeah, yeah. That sounds cool, man. That sounds really cool. Um I I so I have some thoughts that have been like brewing in my head since we we talked about potentially bringing this co- topic of conversation up. Yeah, and and one of them is, and I I don't want to take away from this topic because I think it's really really neat and really really p- people deserve to give it the opportunity and try it. 
mm-hmm. myself included. I've never done it. But something that keeps me from wanting to do it is my philosophy for character creation. When I want to start a new game, when I want to have a game where my players are invested in their characters, part of my session zero is to do collaborative character creation. I tell my players, think of like ballpark a couple of ideas you want your your characters to be. And then when we sit down for three hours to talk it out, you and the other players at the table, you guys are going to figure out who your party is. You're going to make sure that you synergize and have conflicts and have boons and and have relationships with one one another. And, And I do that in part because I don't like Personally, I don't like inter-party conflict. Mm-hmm. I, I I still want there to be inter-party drama, but I don't want there to be betrayal all the time. I don't want there to be these kinds of like, I don't trust this person. No, you trust this person. You're going to fight demons with them. You, you know, you, right, you gotta, right, right. You got to trust this person. So, part of my philosophy as I've as I've learned to game master was. In session zero, you dedicate a large chunk of it to this collaborative character creation process. Now, I don't think these the two things that we we're talking about, the thing that this episode's about and what I just mentioned, are mutually exclusive. I think they no. can happen uh, together, you know, do one and then the other, or vice right, versa. Right. But I, I guess what sounds like the biggest concern to me in what you're describing is this uh, situation where the players become so entrenched in who their character is that they forget that they're part of a party and that you right. you throw them in this situation where instead of protecting the skin of their party member, they're going to bolt off or they're going to do something that isn't collaborative, isn't intended and because they have a perfectly valid reason not to right because their character has been established in like this individual space so i guess my question to you tom is one has that happened and two how would you try to kind of course correct or mitigate that issue I mean, maybe people don't think it's an issue and maybe you don't think it's an issue. That's another whole other conversation. But, uh, no, uh, I, 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 I would be, uh, I would be, uh, lying to, to, to say that, and like I said, I mean, the reason I, I think one of the first things I mentioned is one of the byproducts of doing this, I think is sometimes characters can have a bit of an overdeveloped sense of self and that can cause mm-hmm. uh certainly can cause drama and uh, i'm glad that you actually made that differentiation the differentiation between drama and conflict in in a party i i uh, i think i used the term uh, conflict and i will say for our party it did actually it did actually bleed out to outright conflict no no question about it um i i and and i'll, I'll start by saying that I th- I think that there are going to be character creation ideologies, world building ideologies that 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 either will be incompatible with this this approach, or will 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 garner a lot less than because because what you're describing is almost the exact opposite of the way I try to foster character creation. In fact, I intentionally try to unless two characters or, or say two players come to me and say our characters have known each other for for years yeah cool 
but in general, uh, unless unless the players want to, uh, I I say we're doing we build them in a vacuum. Um, okay. So, so I mean, that's just a, a difference in the way we we feel about it. To to get to your point about the way in which that manifested is fundamentally um, the perception that both Kel and Katarina, Kel being this kind of country boy, uh, you know, just did whatever it took to get by. Not I, I don't want to say poor by any means, but you know, this this rural, very pragmatic, um, and by all outward appearances. Now, now this is a good example of how he. He couldn't possibly understand what her, what she had gone through to get where she is. But Katerina, by outward appearances, was this sort of socialite debutante. I mean, she was there as an honored guest. She was supplying the wine for the party. Um, and in fact, so as they were brought together, uh, they immediately had some disagreements about the way in which things should work. And and uh, I want to say it was about level I want to say it was late level two or early level three that actually manifested as physical conflict. They they were training together and Kel, who was a soldier, insisted on uh, everyone engaging in these certain training exercises to make sure they were sharp and ready to go. And uh, and they were training together and they had just had a very tense interaction with, I'll just say, a, a necromancer, someone that Kel highly disapproved of. And Katarina is basically a morally gray for the most part. Um, and their interaction with him, uh, along with a few other things that were bubbling under the surface, uh, resulted in an all-out conflict. And Josh and I have touched on this. I don't remember which episode, but uh, Josh being one of the players involved, and he said that you know we basically got to what he would consider to be his limit for what he would want by way of conflict in in a campaign. And that's something important, you know, if you're thinking about this and you're implementing this, uh, is is you know don't. Don't be blindsided by the fact that I do think it, it tends to intro, introduce uh, mm -hmm. not just drama, but potentially conflict. Um, my only counterpoint to that, and this is part of the reason I I uh, respectfully disagree, I like intraparty conflict, uh, is, is only because their relationship is something now that I don't know it could have been if they were just copacetic from the beginning. I mean, they've they've patched things up now. Um, I think it's it's a we see a recurring narrative trope of pseudo enemies or at least at least two people who don't see eye to eye who are who through greater conflict and struggle are able to find their way through that um but but that all that to say that really just comes down to what your table wants out of their game and mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and this really we talked about rubbing elbows with session 0 if your table goes we want to sit down we want to have a good time we want to all be pals then, then you've got you know this technique may introduce some legwork for you as a DM to manage to manage that conflict effectively. But but you know, Tom, I don't think it might it might not be as complicated as it sounds because I I when you say create characters in a vacuum, it made me personally be like, oh no, I would never do that. But I, <laughs> but I hear you, I, and and I think we can respectfully say that we have our own flavors that we prefer. Right, right. But but I think at least having some form of collaborative character development or character creation amongst party members and then saying you know what you're still allowed to have your secrets you're still allowed to have parts of your backstory that nobody else but you knows and let's live through them individually Absolutely. i think if you you can still kind of have the best of both worlds here and if you want to have fully individual characters that meet each other for the first time at the first game 
I think your approach is perfect, but I think there are slight variations that can be made to your process that would yes. kind of encourage a different, a whole, a whole different um, kind of tone, not, not tone. What's the word I'm looking for here? I, I guess uh, flavor or dramatic t tension. And anyway, so Tom, I, I really appreciate everything you've been saying, you know, despite our, our, personal preferences for character <laughs> creation and our yep. differences there. I, I think what you're, what you're getting at is really interesting stuff, but I, I can bet. I know a few players who might disagree and not because they don't love this hobby, but because they probably don't have podcasts and YouTube channels talking about games as much as us. Yeah. And, yeah. and the reason I bring that up is because I, I'd like to ask you, how would you be able to convince somebody to do something like this? and kind of get their buy-in if they're not really the most engaged players at a table. And maybe I'll think of a, a really great example. One of my closest friends, you know, we're in a and d game right now. I love them to death and I appreciate them playing the way that they play this game. You know, they come to the table, they role play when they're at the table, but I feel like I'd have a hard time being able to convince them Hey, let's have some one-on-one -on -one games to flesh out the backstory of your character. I I'm not sure they would want to do that and, and find that to be fun. So, so I guess my question to you is, do you have a light version of this approach that you would recommend to game masters listening who might want to adopt this for their next campaign, but might feel, you know, they already know the pulse of their care of their players. And they might not be on board for, you know, several one-on-one -on -one games kind of in the buildup. So, right, so yeah, right. over to you. Yeah. Uh, well, for starters, I mean, I think, and this, you know, this is, I'm sure has been echoed uh, in, on a number of topics, but, you know, if, if there's that DM out there who's listening, who already has their finger in the pulse of their table, and this isn't for them, you know your table. You know, this is not, but this is by no means trying to convince you that this is a different way you should be doing it. And you're going to, you know, you're going to get some, you know, a big part of being a DM, as far as I'm concerned, is reading the table. And, mm -hmm. and, um, but to answer your question, first and foremost, I would say, uh, it's not a, it's, it's not an all or nothing. Uh, I mean, I might have two players at my table who are ecstatic about this and two players at my table who go, yeah, I'm not really into it. I mean, nothing lost by them not participating in this process. Um, That's a good point. I, you know, yeah. I still, I still, in general, like I said, I, I still will probably engage with those players in that, you know, what I call character development through conversation process, where I'll, I'll still want to ask questions about what they supplied me for backstory, and hopefully that those questions, to some extent, will challenge some of their notions and and make them better flesh out those aspects of their character. Um, but in terms of kind of the light side of this, um, I, I think it, I, I think they're one and the same. I, uh, I, I can't say that for a really seasoned player that I've done the light version of this, but I can say that for, uh, uh, a half dozen, a half dozen or more brand new players, uh, this, I, I have become so infatuated with this process <laughs> that exercising it for bringing new players who have never played a TTRPG before. Um, and I know that that, again, that sounds like, well, RPG, TTRPGs are already a commitment. You're going to ask them to commit even more. Um, and the light version of this is effectively, 
uh, I run one session. They'll, I'll, I'll still have them. I'm a big fan of, uh, if I'm just doing a combat tutorial or just showing them the mechanics of turn structure and things like that, cool, I'll hand them a character sheet. But if they say, yeah, I want to sit down, we're going to play a few months of a, a little campaign. Um, I'm not a big fan of saying, I'm going to hand you something that you may or may not be invested in by design and by concept uh, and just roll with that for a few months. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent. I 100% I, I, I admit that there are pros and cons to brand new players building a character. And it means that I end up having to do a lot of handholding through that process. Uh, to help it's, them do it's so. very intensive on you as the game master for sure 100 but yeah. i think that is that is my time well spent if i'm wanting someone to have the best possible experience for their first introduction to ttrpgs i will happily walk through every step of that process and again it gives me that opportunity as as they're building out in some cases in D, &D beyond in some cases on a character sheet i'll ask them a question like you know oh well wh why did you why did you choose that instead of xyz you know you were thinking about these two um it gives me an opportunity to ask those questions but in, in a lot of cases it will be i will run a single session and I'll, I'll use a real life example i have two very close friends when one of them i went to preschool with in fact i think he i think he pushed me down on the first day of preschool and i i it was it was it was destiny that we uh there you go and now you we, force we, him to do 20 sessions of that, pre -game that's, prep, that's, right? <laughs> well he wasn't privy to the 20 sessions but uh but 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 he damn sure is going to be at some point because of that push in preschool um no but uh and uh both he and his wife um they both of them had expressed an interest and uh you know we we've known each other forever and it you know i just it had never come up, but all of a sudden they expressed an interest, and I said, "Okay, yeah, let's do that." Um, and we kind of worked out some time, and uh, there, I'm I'm about an hour south of Denver. I'm down in the Colorado Springs area, and they're up in Denver. Um, and so I said, "Well, you know, why don't you guys come down? You stay at our place, stay over the night, and we'll, you know, Friday night we'll we'll get after it. Saturday night we'll get after it. And by the end of the weekend, you can say yes, this is for me, or thanks, but no thanks. And mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's a one weekend commitment. But I started both of them out." Through the same process we we got on a skype call one call with each of them and and kind of worked through a little character build out and during that time i was able to do kind of an abbreviated uh series of questions to kind of get an idea and each of them wrote i want to say they wrote maybe two paragraphs uh and and sent them over and i looked at cool. them and picked out the what i considered to be the most pivotal moment both of them introduced a, a pretty obvious pivotal moment for their backstory and i just said okay both their tutorial and how to play the game and their their opportunity to wear this character for the first time is going to be that moment um and so we sat down and uh, for one of them it was the death of her mother she was murdered by uh, a, a fanatic who hated magic um and uh the other one was his his like realization scraping you know two coppers together realization that vigilante work uh, paid a lot better than uh, than being just a, a laborer around the docks, and uh, and so uh, those two moments we we played out. I think each one was an hour and a half. I mean, really short session. Not not so commitment wise. I would consider that about as light. I I can't go any lighter than that. I'll put it that way. Yeah. No. Well, that sounds great. I mean, an hour and a half. I think you could. I think you could convince just about anybody. Especially if they're if they're expressing interest in learning to play this game, right? You say, right, okay, right. let's let's have a Zoom call, let's have a beer, let's chit chat, 
and and go through the character you're going to play i think that that sounds like a fantastic a fantastic solution and right. it reminds me a lot of something that i did oh it must have been several years four years ago now when i started my pirate campaign oh, a campaign that has since been on campaign. <laughs> oh it's a great it's it's been on hiatus for a little while now but uh but yeah, one of the ways, so so basically when we created our characters, we did our session zero where half of it was this collaborative character creation process where everybody kind of figured out their piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I sent all of my players almost like a quiz. It was like a fill in the blank or multiple choice with a few like short answer questions where it was about their character. Yeah, yeah. I and I that. remember asking them a question where it was like, when did you decide to become a pirate? Mm. That, that was Because they were all part of a crew, a pirate crew. Like, when did you decide to become a pirate? And they had to fill that out. And, and I found that having them go through this kind of curated backstory creation process, almost, you know, I, I yeah. held their hand through it. And having these prompts proved to be very effective in generating kind of like these these character defining moments that would be their personal secrets and looking back on it i think having had the opportunity to play through those on a one-on-one basis would have been really really cool and it would have been you know had they bought into that idea right right fantastic yeah so i i, I love yeah. that and i love that quiz idea i mean certainly uh you know i think i think that you know, I, I, maybe the summation of kind of what we've been talking about is less a hard and fast prescription of this is the way I do it. I mean, and I, like I said, I, I love the way I do it. I mean, I, I think every DM loves the way they do it or they wouldn't be doing it that way. But um, is is more, uh, I, I think, the realization that providing some kind of structure by which uh, your players can explore their characters in ways that uh, that they may not explore them just just you know sitting at their desk jotting some stuff down or typing some things into D&D Beyond or whatever system they're mm-hmm. using to create these characters um that i think both both sides of the screen can can benefit a tremendous amount uh from from providing that little bit of structure and you know as a dm like i said i mean really i think we reap the biggest benefits of these types of investments because ju- just by nature of the fact that we are we are kind of curating this experience yeah. and and the more the more easily they can just be their play or sorry just be their character and not think about all the other stuff going around it just step into that space the more genuine the interactions at the table are the more genuine the uh, the relationships that begin to to form both with NPCs and interparty. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I love that the uh, the quiz idea. I think that's a great way of uh, getting a bead on what that moment is. Cool. Yeah. Th- thanks, Tom. Yeah. And and I I think you you touched on some some stuff there, right? Getting that buy in, I think, is really important. Getting that character buy in from the people playing those characters is super important. We spent most of today's episode talking about kind of like these role play benefits and these these mechanical benefits to the game to, to having these kind of pre-session zero adventures or, or or sessions right right but i'm sure there's more benefits 
that kind of lie outside of the scope of just oh, role one, playing ability. Yeah, one, so I 100%. wanted to ask you about that a little bit, really quickly. What kind of what kind of other tangible yeah. outcomes have come out well, of this? I'll, I'll say I'll say that whether it's an experienced player, I'm going to start with a brand new player because it it it. The, drives the point home, but uh, it, it also serves a purpose with experienced players. Whether this is a brand new player to TTRPGs, a player that you have never run the game for, um, or again, a player you've been playing with for for a decade, um, I have found that, you know, I, I, I'm sitting at a table with, depending on circumstances, three or four people that uh, I've played with for a very long time. They are very seasoned players. Uh, and I love bringing new people into the game space, but I can understand how sitting down at the table for the very first time, having never rolled a D20 with four or five other people who have been doing it together as a mm. unit for 10, 15 years. Or, I mean, in some cases, many tables much longer than that, that can be really intimidating. So one of the benefits that isn't, it's not tangible to the game itself. It's just, it's a, it's more of a, on a player and DM level is I get to sit down at that table one-on-one, -on -one, all of the pressure of having five sets of eyes on you the first time you, you know, stumble through your accent or you, uh, you know, ho however, and like I said, everyone's going to RP their own way, but, but whatever it is you do to RP as a brand new player, that can be a pretty intimidating thing. And when you remove, uh, the other, the other players, uh, the other, you know, the, yeah, the rest of the table, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Where and and so so two things end up happening. One, I'm sitting across from somebody, and they're gonna go, okay, you know, what what am I doing here exactly? We're like we're literally they they're rolling their dice for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, and I can lean in on the table and set the scene that they're standing in some drab little tavern and go, Rotin, what are you having? And just with that phrase, I've established what the expectation is at, at the table. And, and now they might respond by going, uh, my, my player will order the cheapest thing on the menu. How much money do I have? How much, you know, they start going through this process. That's fine. They may not put a voice on, they may not, you know, but, but a few different things are happening in that moment. One, they're, they're as, uh, removed from the microscope as they will ever be with regard to sitting at a table with other players. Uh, and I've found that it's unbelievable how rapidly players will just be total goofball, just jump off that high dive, you know, like they, mm -hmm. they don't tiptoe into the water. They don't. Um, and I, I have introduced players to the game where just with an entire table and I found a, a decidedly different result. Um, you know, I, this is purely anecdotal, but I will say I, I, I think I have observed a much more rapid adoption of the aspects of role play whatever they might be uh from a player when they're sitting across from me one-on-one -on -one. um so that's you know definitely one major advantage in terms of just easing the the pressure and 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 the tension um but the other is that you know kind kind of like i i touched on is whatever my expectation is i need to lead by example if i want if you know if my expectation is hey we're all putting on goofy voices and we're all gonna mm -hmm. you know then I sure as heck better be doing it now, or or they're going to be totally confused when we get to the table and everyone else is doing it. Um, if that's not I what you do at your table, one hundred percent. I th I think the I've said it and I'll say it again. It's our job 
as the game master to set the expectation, like to set the standard for what we expect of the people at our table, whether that be explaining it verbally and coming to that agreement at in a session zero or whatever. But then even every app, every game thereafter at the the first words that come out of your mouth as a game master, I think ought to set the tone. You're creating the momentum that you want the pendulum to swing on. Yes. 100%. If you're opening a game by looking at your phone and being like, okay, uh, blah, 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 blah. That's the momentum that you're starting the game with. And it's so hard to like push it the rest of the way. If you can get individual time with every person at your table to kind of help give that pendulum a default setting, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. And like I said, I, I, I don't have a large enough body of evidence to say yes. There's a definitive improvement in people's adoption of 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 uh, role play, but in in the instances where I have points of comparison, um, I I was floored, frankly, by how rapidly. And again, some some people that I I fully anticipated them to remain pretty guarded and reserved and and kind of just give me their third person interaction. I mean, we, we run, we run kind of a first person, you know, at our table, we run more or less first person, whatever goofy voice you want to bring to the, to the scheme of things, bring it. Um, and, and, and like I said, I, I if I sat down with a, a player under those circumstances and they just went like, uh, do I have to talk in a, in a goofy voice? And I go, no, you do whatever, no, you, do no. whatever you want, but, but, but I'm the barkeep and I'm, this is what I've, I'm saying to you, you do with that anything you want and i think that moment for new players anyways is super liberating to go oh i i can i can respond in kind i can respond however i'm comfortable and how i respond is entirely of my own doing is such a liberating thing this transcends new players as well i I mean like i said i think this is really important for players that you are new to even if they're experienced with ttrpgs is is that process we talked about getting a read on the table and this is a great opportunity you don't get many one-on-one opportunities with your players to to really assess what it is they love about being at the table this is a great opportunity to look at and and fish those things out i mean it's even a great opportunity to just go like you know hey i know you've played a long time i know this is our kind of our first time doing it thanks thanks for uh, participating in this process. This is just the way kind of we do it at our table, but like, you know, can you tell me a little bit about what it is you get out of the game, you know, or, and, and there's nothing wrong with using some of that one-on-one time to just say, Hey, out of game, what is it that you, and if they go like, well, I like cracking skulls and I like, I like uh, doing some trap stuff, but I'm not really big in puzzles. And, you know, if, if people want to talk, I'm just a check out, I'll do some push-ups or, you know, whatever. Hmm. Um, then, Cool. I've got a good, I've got a much better sense, you know, one-on-one. Um, and that's something you obviously develop with your, um, with your players, uh, as you, as you play with them. But in terms of bringing someone new into a new campaign, into the fold, you know, it's invaluable. I think being familiar with both who their character is, but even arguably even more important who they are as a player and why they come to the table in the first place. So I, I wouldn't want to downplay your opportunities there yeah. either. Yeah, man. As as somebody who tends to succumb to social pressure, I couldn't agree more. Having one-on-one time with the person who is running the game that you're playing builds that trust. It's gonna. It's going to. We talk about a foundation for role play. Well, we should 
like you're saying, it it creates this foundation for trust, no doubt. Yes. Um, yeah. Trust. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm just going to butt in because I haven't used the word trust once, and it should have been used literally from square one. Uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it, it. I mean, it really is. It's. It's. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah, foundational yeah. in in uh, in setting all of that up. Um, I. I do think there are there's there's opportunities in that space for. I'm not crazy about this this phraseology, but I'll use it. Uh, for mulligans. Um, as far as I'm concerned in this mm. backstory space, it's a great opportunity for a player to realize that what they've built mechanically is not what they wanted. Uh, and I have no problem as a DM going, cool, sw switch it up and I'll see you next, next, you know, I'll see a session negative four uh, or, you know, what, whatever it is. Uh, it gives them some time to play with how their character is going to behave mechanically. And it also, so there's some, some opportunities there as cool. well. So. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, I think there, I think there's definitely a lot to dissect. Um, I, I do want to transition into, you know, I, I polled, not polled, I asked for opinions on the internet, which I guess is a good thing and a bad thing. All baked <laughs> Bold move, one. sir. Bold move. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I, I got some interesting thoughts, and yeah. most of them seem to kind of gravitate towards this idea of using the time before session zero to think about kind of like the foundation and focus of the game or the, the themes of the game. And I, I know that doesn't totally speak to this, this approach that you have for character creation and character backstory, but I'd, I'd like to read a quote from, from somebody that kind of speaks to that and maybe yeah. get your thoughts on it. I'd love to hear it. Uh, so the quote is coming from Mastodon which is a social media platform that I have just recently joined in the wake of the Twitter, uh, the, the Twitter apocalypse. Twitter apocalypse. <laughs> and I say that with a grain of salt because I still want to use Twitter. I think Twitter, I've made so many great friends on Twitter, Tom, you included, yeah, and I'm not ready to abandon that platform. So I'm here on Twitter and I will continue to post content on Twitter. But I, you know, this whole situation has made me learn that perhaps I should diversify. And if Twitter does disappear overnight, I haven't lost points of contact with people that I want to be in contact with. Right. Yourself included. So Tom, you and anybody else listening. So uh, yeah, anyway, on Mastodon, I created an account on Mastodon. It's still role underscore play underscore chat. And I I I posted our topic of conversation for today yep. and somebody called orizo comico uh at orizo comico they said i usually pitch a few themes and ideas my players tell me what they prefer and they take it from there with the character backstories to make the campaign tailored to them so it, it kind of sounds like you know orizo comico does a similar thing to us or, or at least to what you're saying, maybe not these one-on-one -on -one sessions, but they're they're taking the pre-session zero opportunity to set this foundation mm -hmm. and then elicit backstory to educate what their campaign is going to be about. Yep. So I guess I wanted to kind of pitch this idea out there into the void and, and kind of hear what your thoughts are on that, uh, Tom. How does that resonate with your approach? I think ultimately to take that that concept of and i and i love that concept in fact I, i've already told my uh my play group that the next campaign that we're going to run um i'm going to we're going to we're going to play through the trailers i've got three distinct 
concepts in mind and I'll hand them a character sheet and go, or, or maybe even ask them to, that's a big ask is to go, Hey, you want to make a character for a campaign that likely won't even exist, you know, <laughs> but, but, and, and, and then, but effectively play kind of a one shot that introduces the, you know, so I love the idea about pitching out some themes, pitching out some concepts, pitching out some settings. And I think that my, my only pushback on that idea is there's no reason why I, as a DM need to divorce myself from my players in that process. For the same reason that I definitely want to play with them, but even even in conceptualizing those themes, to to modify this process, let's say I could see taking taking well to to uh, to float it out there. I am enamored currently with the uh, seafaring setting. Uh, that that maps on pretty closely to let's say the sci-fi spacefaring setting. It's the, still this kind of same mm -hmm. spirit of a crew on a ship and they're you know they're traveling around you know. Uh, uh, trappings of Firefly, or uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you think of when you think of uh, sci-fi. So, in that kind of one-shot space, um, I would view that one-shot space kind of as a collective version of exactly what we've just talked about. Is is you know, why not? I guess that's the question I would pose back. Is is if your characters, or I'm sorry, if your players will buy in, why not say? Hey, how do you guys feel about over the next three weeks running three separate one shots? And each one is basically going to be the the trailer. I'm putting that in air quotes for since uh, we're in audio space. The trailer mm -hmm. for the upcoming campaign. And when we're all when it's all said and done, we'll all sit down. And we'll go. You know, is there an obvious winner here? Like, what what do you guys think? Where where do we want to go? And then you know, obviously, they get to at that point create their own characters. They're not they're not bound to the characters i provided them for the trailer's sake um but i think you know i think to a greater or lesser extent the the gist of everything i think that i've said boils down to if you can put it on paper the follow-up question is can you put it on the table and if you can put it on the table and i'm not saying that you always can uh, there are certainly limitations that could stop that but what's what's stopping you because mm -hmm. in in my experience anyways uh the potency of taking something from the page and putting it to the table uh always delivers a more resonant uh you know experience and so so i i guess kind of grafting onto that i love the idea i love the idea about pulling your your players uh, you know, not just me going, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the next campaign and you guys better be ready a month from now because we're going, you know, it's like, well, they may be sick and tired of high fantasy. They may be sick and tired of, you know, they may want to do, they may want to play a campaign that starts the day after, you know, in, in game time, the day after the rakish rovers campaign ends. That's, you know, I, I won't know that unless I ask them. And mm -hmm. I guess beyond asking them is shoving some character sheets in front of them and some minis on the table and and firing it up and going wow that was that was a fun four hours guys what'd you think about that and they go like man i i was i wasn't really into the sci-fi thing but now that we ran that a little bit I, I maybe we could do a you know maybe we could do something long form or i wasn't into the horror thing maybe we can i know my table well enough to know that we're not doing horror but uh you know that so yeah 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 yeah, I, yeah I, I, I i love that i love it I I do I do think it's an interesting perspective to bring to the conversation, right? Because when when we think about things that a game master would do before session zero, 
if you take the player characters out of it, all you have left is to think about what you as a game master want to run. And I right. think we can't forget that. We can't forget that we as game masters are players at the table too. Yes. And we're allowed to have fun. We're allowed to explore themes or topics or settings that are novel and interesting to us. So I, I do think that, yeah, creating this like wish list of themes or settings that you want to present to your players and be like, right. hey, gang, what do you think of running a sci-fi game? What do you think about a game where the main arc is about loss? Or what do you think about a game where we're all pirates and it's very episodic? You know, you, you can have these different branches and you pitch all of them to your table. Yes, and 100%. For you to be able to do that, you need to think about it. So I think having that check-in with yourself can be interesting. So I appreciate that comment. Yeah, one hundred percent. I, a, a very interesting comment. Like I said, I, I'm glad to hear that other people are uh, out there drumming up multiple settings and multiple themes uh, to allow their players to to plug into the one that speaks to them. Because again, I mean, mm -hmm. when you're talking about months or years, you know, it depends on on what the scope of the campaign is that you're running. You know, you're one of four, five, six, nine. I mean, who knows how many people. Um, you might be ecstatic about the themes and the setting that you have created, um, but you will you will never get the feedback that you want if you're you know if I'm running a, a, a sci-fi game that is fundamentally about loss you know the the uh, uh, an organization nuked the sun the sun is gone and and everyone's coping with the loss of their home world and you know all this. And my players are going like, man, I wanted a campy Western. Like what's going yeah, on here? Exactly. You know, like, like <laughs> as much as I might love that, not only am I doing my players a huge disservice by foisting that onto them, I'm also, I'm doing myself a huge disservice because there are some players that want to run that game mm -hmm. and, and trying to just like every system is not going to be great for every theme and every, every player group, every table is not going to reciprocate your enthusiasm for certain themes so i love the idea about pooling up a, a few options and uh and allowing your players to go i'm equally excited about xyz and you Absolutely. can all go this is going to be a nuts campaign you're like this is Absolutely. gonna be great yeah 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 so i mean i i'm i'm feeling like we talked a lot about these things and i want to wrap it up but i also want to mention something as yeah. we talked about all this it it reminded me a lot of something that I talked about on the show, I want to say a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Okay. Uh, one of the episode, episodes of the show, I believe in season two of the show, was about improv games or okay. improv exercise. Yep. I think um, I I think I'm I think I might know the episode you're referring to. I but yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and basically it's I'm I'm in my brain. I'm trying to meld these two things together because Tom, I love this concept of exploring character backstory, mm -hmm. but personally, I want to bring a more uh, collective approach to it. And that's yeah. just because of the way I, I like playing my games, but very quickly for those of you listening who haven't listened to that improv exercise episode, basically what we talked about Chris and I was, when the pandemic started in 2020, 
we found ourselves unsure of whether or not our games would be able to continue in person. And in the interim, what we decided to do was just jump on a Discord call with no preparation whatsoever and ask our players parts of the other characters. Like I'd be like, hey, Tom, what's something you like about my character? And then you would say it. And then we'd say, okay, cool. Let's role play that. Let's have a scene about that thing that you want to know about my that. character. I love that. And it created kind of like this retroactive backstory creation, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, I guess it's the opposite of a negative session, but maybe there's a way to introduce an exercise like this at the beginning of the game before session zero, before the campaign starts where you, you pitch all the character sheets around and you say, Hey, Tom, what do you want to know about my character? You tell me, let's do it. Let's have a scene where I play my character and you play a random NPC and we flesh it out and we kind of create this, this non-binding role play that helps flesh everything out. Yeah. I um, love that. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that'd be an interesting thing to explore. I, what, yeah, I, 100%. I think, I, I mean, and I think that's, you know, the crux of, to me, any tool, any system, any process that you're bringing to your players or you're bringing to your table and going, Hey, mm-hmm. what do you guys think about trying this? The end goal is that players have a better understanding of their own characters. And, you know, I think it sounds like kind of what you're alluding to is also allowing them to have a better understanding of their companions, uh, Mm -hmm. characters. And I, I, you know, I mean, I think, I think neither of those result in worse role play, neither of those result in, uh, looser bonds at the table. You know I mean? These, these are the building blocks of, uh, of what makes interesting role play. And I, I love that idea. It even sparked the idea of like you talked about, uh, giving your survey out is allowing your players to survey one another for that process of being able to, to, to say, here, I'm handing you a survey. Like, what's a good example? I mean, I, I just know be, if I was a player, I would want my questions to be probing. I would want to, you know, I would something like, you know, what are you most ashamed of? And being able to hand that to a player, and it can be totally anonymous, you know. I mean, it's just and but as they go, okay, the question I got is, oh, oh, what's my character most ashamed of? And and then as a collectively as a group, you can say, let's scaffold up a scene in which we can we can role play this out and the Mm -hmm. player all of a sudden is almost taking on the dm role of going okay well what we're going to need for this scene is xyz because and as they start building this scene in front of you you know and the dm goes like you know let me know let me know how i can help let me know what i can be what i can do you know you're 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 really kind of turning the experience the dm slash player experience on its ear by by allowing them to speak to something that the dm has no reins on doesn't doesn't even know what they're about to say but they just go you know what like let's let's do let's this do uh, yeah um, let's make I, it I, explicit i think i think that's probably one of the like golden threads of this whole yes, thing yes take 100%. something that that's individual like your backstory and make it explicit in these yeah. scenes in these in these one-on-one situations because you don't know how you're going to feel until it happens yes and i think that that's for me personally one of the big takeaways i'm not sure tom i, I i'd like to try to wrap the conversation up yeah let's do bef- it before we do that 
I want to give you the opportunity, if you haven't had the chance to talk about everything you wanted to talk about, w- one last chance on the soapbox to talk about this this approach for pre-session zero games that you maybe didn't have a chance to talk about yet. So yeah, no, I mean, I I, I think we we got to cover. I mean, like I said, I could I could literally talk for days on on the the subject. So I, uh, but but I think uh, the the core themes, the benefits the pitfalls the i think we've done a good job of outlining a lot of that to summarize i think i would say that and this this transcends this kind of system that we have verbally scaffolded up uh and the one that i employ regularly at my mm-hmm. table um i would say anywhere for anyone listening uh, dm and player alike and this is this is one of the beauties is if you see writing on a page that could manifest as something real at the table. I don't think you will ever be doing yourself a disservice to explore that. Um, mm-hmm. And and that we you know we were exploring backstory specifically, but um, but the you know the 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 kernel I think that I would encourage people to take away from this conversation is for you DMs out there when you are when you are supplied information about your characters, um, f- find a way to make that tangible for your players find a way to and the rewards that that will be repaid to you by those players in their characters are are unbelievable i have been awestruck by the level of commitment and investment in in their skins come session one and and for the the players out there uh who might be listening you know, if if this is something that sounds exciting, I again I can't speak for every DM. It is a commitment. So you know, people who are listening out there, um, but it doesn't mean that this that this fundamentally this process is an opportunity for you as a player to explore your character in a way in which a new variable has been added, i.e., the DM, another human mind has been added. Uh, that does not mean, especially in more of a collaborative environment, that that DM can't be replaced by another player can't be replaced by you know if you've got a, a spouse who's into the hobby but maybe they're not at your at your group to say you know hey while we're winding down tonight would you mind just you know ask me some of those survey questions and you know I want to I want to I want to respond to them in character I want to you know if you're gearing up for session 1 um there's all sorts of opportunities to engage with what what you believe has happened to your character mm-hmm. uh, that might illuminate to you that 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 ink on a page is is not as as rigid as as you might have believed it to be yeah very well said i'm not sure i can add anything to that because tom you did such a good job oh Uh, i appreciate that i appreciate that (laughs) but uh, yeah so i hope i hope everybody listening had a really good time i hope you learned quite a bit before we we wrap up, I, I do want to kind of do the usual thing that we do here, and that's kind of conclude and kind of summarize today's episode. So, uh, Tom, I'll pitch it to you first. What were some of the things we talked about? Some of the big takeaways, as it were. I know I know you kind of gave one of the big silver linings already. Yeah. But if we were to kind of walk through the episode in uh, in a in a condensed Sparks Note version, what would you say we talked about today? Um, well, I, I think, uh, we kicked things off by, you know, the, the important task of defining exactly what it is we mean, uh, when we're talking about this, I think we did a fair job of, I don't think anyone's walking away from this conversation going like negative sessions. Why would you ever want to do something negative to your, you know, no one, <laughs> I, I, I think we've uh, effectively dispelled that, um, 
you know, I think I think I had an opportunity, and and we were able to kind of go back and forth on on laying out uh, what I consider to be uh, some of the perks. And I think you you brought up some uh, really solid considerations. And the big takeaway I know that I'm going to walk away, and this is what I love about this space: having conversations, uh, what I'm going to call philosophical conversations about the D and D space, is. I think about the game the way I think about the game. I love the things about the game that I love about the game. And I, I was, frankly, I was a little surprised to, uh, to hear. And, um, but also in, in a, in the most positive ways that we, we sit in very, very different spaces when we're thinking about, uh, the way in which our parties are kind of growing these characters. And, um, and I love kind of the pushback that that ideology gives to the system that I've enjoyed so much and thinking about both the ways in which perhaps what we've, what we've discussed can graft into the way that you prefer to do things. Um, but also the, 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 the simple fact that there's going to be people out there that, that, you know, this is not a one size fits all advice. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you you may test this out and just go you know it's detracting from the from the community aspect the collaborative aspect um and that's that's totally cool i mean i think i think uh i don't think if you find a one size fits all solution uh you, it, it wasn't a very good problem to begin with you know so um but continuing through that i think you know i i i love being able to hit on both the what I'll call thematic implications of, of this process, the, the thematic and narrative implications, I guess you could say, um, both for the DM and the players. Um, and then maybe the more pragmatic uh, implications that it, it delivers. And then, uh, like I said, I, I actually, the, I was really, really happy to hear the uh, inquiry, the question, the post uh, from Mastodon. I, I, like I said, I'm, I, I love uh, the, the notion of floating, floating some teasers out, some ideas out to your party. Um, so uh, kudos, I don't remember the username, but uh, I'm sending a kudos out to them uh, for, uh, for keeping their players in enough consideration that they're, they're not simply going, this is what it's going to be, guys, let's go. So, um, that's, Absolutely. I, you know, that's, that, that's uh, my rough, rough rundown. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, I'll, I'll add to that. I think you covered most yeah. of it, but, uh, yeah, we definitely talked about, like you said, the definition, we talked about these one-on-one -on -one games, these pre-session zero situations where we explore the background and the backstory of our characters. I think it created kind of like this, the idea being to create this structure for our players to feel safe, to feel like they trust you. I, I mean, I, to develop trust, obviously they should trust you. <laughs> if if <laughs> no, you yeah. have their trust, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, create this space where you know you can build a rapport with your player and have them learn who their character is. And I think that that was one of the big ones. And we talked about some of the benefits, like you said, Tom. The benefit is it gives them the opportunity to test the waters to see what works and what doesn't work. It gives you as the game master the opportunity to learn about what things. The, they find important in the game without directly asking them. It gives you the opportunity to play some NPCs and maybe create some relationships with the character that you can bring back to life. You know, you can, you can return back where you left off with the rest of the party and really feel natural in those conversations and yes, in those relationships. Yes. Like you said, th there are some challenges that we have to consider if you're somebody like me who doesn't like to have a lot of inter-party conflict, you need to be aware that this could generate uh, individual players 
or rather individual characters. So, so long as you've had those conversations about what kind of levels of conflict you and everybody else is comfortable with having at your table, I, I hope that you don't run into any kind of problems. But it's a, still an interesting approach that you should take. And I think you should, I would encourage people if they're like me to adopt other mechanisms kind of in place with the approach that you brought forward, Tom, because I think there's a lot of value in what you're suggesting here. Uh, we talked a little bit about out of the character benefits too. We talked about how you're establishing this trust. You're giving people who might be new to the hobby kind of like a starting point for what they can expect. You're managing those expectations. You're also giving them this opportunity to feel comfortable before joining a party of people who maybe have been playing this game for a very long time. Right, and it can right. be a very intimidating thing. I think you, that was an extremely good point that you brought forward. Um, and yeah, and I think that covers most of it. Uh, so with that all said and done, listeners, I hope you had a fantastic time listening to this conversation. Before we, you know, we wrap up, Tom, I did want to give you the opportunity to remind everybody where they can find you, where they can listen to your YouTube channel, all of that good stuff. Please take it away and uh, well, plug thank, anything you want. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. And and uh, again, thank thank you so much for uh, just having me on for the conversation. Um, again, this is uh, whether it was for a production like this or not. Uh, this is this is precisely the kind of conversation I will happily. Uh, have with you any day over uh, over a couple cold ones. No, any, anyone can find us. Um, you jump on to YouTube. You can find us at Modern Myth D and D. That's D ampersand D, uh, not the not the growingly popular N D uh, nomenclature. <laughs> you can find and that that encompasses all of our segments. We all live under a single banner there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at mod underscore myth. Definitely reach out to us there, and we're. We've got some plans to continue expanding the channel, bringing some new segments. So be be keeping your eyes and ears peeled. And uh, we are we are crawling towards our uh, 500 sub goal, which uh, will will effectively open up the community portion of YouTube. Awesome. Um, and that's something that we're really excited about. We are hoping to, um, in in a nutshell, I guess I could say, we are hoping the channel can be a place, a watering hole for anyone in the TTRBG space, uh, regardless of their, the, the ongoing online disagreements between certain factions, we, you know, we, we want to be a place where everyone can feel good in bringing their comments, their ideas. Um, and, uh, and, and we're not far off from being able to start doing that. So, um, again, I, I thank Matt and I thank anyone listening, uh, for, uh, for letting us bend your ear. Um, it was a great conversation. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Thank you. It was a it was a fantastic discussion. Uh, if you guys listening enjoyed these discussions, there's a lot of there's a lot more of them for you to listen to on the post, you know, the previous episodes of Roleplay Chat, but also on Tom's YouTube channel. So Modern Myth has all kinds of conversations similar to this, and I highly recommend them to you. So please go check them out and subscribe to Tom's channel. Every little bit helps. I also want to encourage you all to rate and review this conversation and the podcast. 
there's been a bit of a stagnation as far as reviews go for the podcast. So if you haven't done that already, I'd love for you to do it. Um, I'd love you forever because it helps grow the podcast and it helps get more people listening to these fantastic conversations. If you wanted to reach out to me and ask me questions, you can always do that on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Like I mentioned, I created a Mastodon account. It's still the same handle at role underscore play underscore chat. The Mastodon like communities or whatever they're called servers, I'm still wrapping my head around that. So I'm not sure if you're going to be able to find me, but I'll uh, be sure to learn and figure that out by the time we've had the next uh, roleplay chat conversation. And of course, you can always email me, contact roleplaychat at gmail.com if you don't want to be limited by any kind of character limit. So Tom, thank you so much for being here to chat. It was a fantastic discussion. I, I, I've definitely, you know, I'm leaving this conversation as somebody who has heard a different opinion and will try to adopt it into my methodology of, of running my games because I think that there's a lot of benefits to what we, you know, what you're suggesting. So thank you for enlightening well, me. No, again, th- thank you for having me. And uh, I think, I think exactly what you said is uh, is the most that any of us can ask of each other is uh is to uh, tolerate one another's opinions and uh <laughs> dig out the uh dig out the gems and let the rest fall by the wayside so um like i said i appreciate the pushback and uh and providing some perspective on my own methods awesome well thanks tom and let's call it a thank chat. you